0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike. And it is a very cool September morning. Uh, sorry, I got the sniffles this morning. Uh, possibly running just a little bit late, I think I am. Do I have my wallet? Oh, yes, i A bunch of stuff in the back of my car. (laughs) I've been doing some uh, cleaning, arranging of of my uh, tool shed. And my tool shed, as all my friends can attest to, pretty much becomes a complete chaotic disaster several times a year. And I clean it out several times a year, and it just seems to accumulate bunch of crap all the time. Uh, So I'm kind of in the middle of that process, but I'm also in the middle of uh, the process of uh, taking care of a few nagging chores that I just have been putting off and putting off and putting off, and that's made my uh, tool shed even messier because of that process. Um, You may or may not know that it's really difficult to to throw things away in Japan, it's, uh, it's uh, the, the system, right? The, uh, the system of throwing away things—they're quite strict on it compared to perhaps a lot of countries. Uh, Maybe some states in America that are just as strict—I'm not sure. Maybe stricter. I don't know. Um, but uh, some of the things I'm trying to figure out how to throw away are old cans of paint that still have old paint in them. You know, like half a can of old paint, for example. Um, And the cans are easy enough. Right? That's not a hard thing to do. Um, But if they have paint, and if the paint is still good, there's problems, right? There's really nobody that wants to take that. Um, There's no good way to dispose of that unless you are a big company that has tons of it to dispose of and then you pay one price and you can do it but the you know the common person uh who wants to dispose of a little paint we have no way to do that believe it or not there's not that i found i went to you know we made phone calls and went to several different places and there's just no way to dispose of paint that is still liquid and so what you have to do it's crazy, you have to open up the cans of paint and let it dry out and then scrape out the dry paint uh, and then put that dry paint uh, in, in normal burnable trash and then you can throw it away seems like a weird loophole to me but that's what you can do. Like, dried paint is fine. Liquid paint, it's like the—it's like nuclear waste. <laughs> so, I don't know why. It's just house paint, interior house paint. For the most part, I think. I don't remember exactly what, yeah, I think it was, yeah. So anyway, that's, I've got seven cans and they're large cans. We're not talking about these small cans. We're talking about these like, you know, five gallon, type cans, I got five of those open and drying in my shed, which takes up all the space and makes it difficult to do do anything else in there and get anything else done, Um, which, yeah, kind of stinks, but anyway, that's uh, some of the stuff I've been doing this week, and The weather has changed dramatically, which basically happened on uh, September 1st. So September 1st is the kind of traditional start of autumn in Japan instead of like, you know, waiting for the equinox. They just go right on the month, which is kind of nice. And man, just on that day, the temperature went down, I'd say, I don't know. 10, 15 degrees just on that day, and it's stayed cool ever since. I'm sure we will have some hot days. It'll come back eventually, which seems to always happen. Um, but today is going to be another cool day, it would seem. And I've been doing some work in my yard this week, um, working on... Uh, <clears throat> doing some landscaping uh, I've got this land behind my uh, deck my My house is situated on a very odd shaped piece of land it would kind of look like Texas uh, if you let's see how would it look like Texas if you were to take the eastern border of Texas and stretch it four times longer than Texas, right? That would be the shape of my land. So it's long and narrow, but it's got this little um, dip. It's got this little dip in it um, that goes into the next property. And then it's situated on a slope. Uh, And the, the western, the, the long western border, it's not, it doesn't face, yeah, so if this were Texas, tip of Texas, the, the southern tip of Texas, would be facing west at my house. It's a weird way to say it, I know. But, anyway, um, it's a slope, a, a very, it's almost like an embankment, I guess, really. So my my land slopes, and then it goes steeply down an embankment. And then, and the embankment's probably, man, that's loud. Sorry, I'll get on better roads here in a minute. I'm having to take a detour because of road construction that messed me up last week. So, assuming it's still going on and I'm going on some narrower, older, bumpier roads to get around that direction. And uh, Hopefully nothing over here is closed. Anyway, so on that embankment and part of the slope right below my deck, um, I had a bunch of big rocks, um, some stumps that I cut down, with trees that we had planted a long time ago that had to be cut down. So I'm removing those stumps and those rocks and trying to smooth out that whole area. Been doing that for less. I didn't do it yesterday, I took a day off yesterday, but. Maybe for two or three days in a row, and uh, man, my body's a little sore from it. I've got a, a bum thumb now for some reason. My uh, thumb is kind of wacky, and then yeah, my shoulder, which has always bothered me, I forgot to put on my seatbelt. Um, is bothering me as well. And I've been dealing with a little cold. And everything else in the world that everybody's dealing with. Trying to stay away from COVID and all that other stuff. So, anyway, that is a recap of what's going on with me. So, (coughs) excuse me. One of my pet peeves uh, in the Christian world is, has become, it hasn't always been this, obviously, and I've shared this uh, on this podcast many times, but words that have stopped meaning what they originally meant and have come to mean something different altogether. Um, And there's so many words like that. Um, <clears throat> now one of them is just a societal word Which is the word love, right? Love uh, Love has, has Come to Mean so many different things And be used in Way too many contexts um, But in the Greek In the New Testament language We had three words for love um, And And the man, all the interpreters that I know of have missed it have have decided just to translate it all as, as generic love and I feel I have missed so much nuance in the Bible that's not actually one of the words I want to talk about today but I will say this, if you don't know this when Jesus asks Peter he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, "You know I love you." And he says, "Feed my sheep." And he repeats this three times with, with um, each time just a, a little bit different than the the time before, right? Jesus does, feed my lambs, take care of my flock, or something. I don't remember the exact wording. But every time Jesus says, "Do you love me?" Jesus asks Peter, "Do you agape me?" And agape, as you know, is the the term for unconditional love. It's the term for sacrificial love. Um, love of the other, right? Um, yeah. And he says, do you agape me? And Peter says, you know that I phileo you. Now phileo is the term for brotherly love. The, the, the kind of love that... A brother has for a brother. Right. Oh also maybe we, we would say companion, you know, friend friendship might be just as good a way to say that. And Jesus again, Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? And he says, I phileo you. Okay, so this is twice. And then the last time Jesus says Peter, do you phileo me? Do you love me like a brother? And of course Peter says, yes, I phileo you. Uh, So at this point Jesus is unable to get agape out of Peter. Now we have some other problems with this translation. Wow, that that detail really helped. I wonder if it made it quicker than usual. I don't know. Um, Another thing um, that we haven't considered is that, of course, they weren't speaking Greek when they were actually speaking this. They were speaking Aramaic, and so I don't know Aramaic or, you know, maybe a combination of Aramaic, Aramaic Hebrew or maybe even some Greek. <clears throat> uh, so, you know, I don't I don't know, I, I can't speak to what that would have been like in the original spoken language that they were speaking. There's no way for me to know that uh, without extensive study. But this is how it was recorded in the Gospels, right? Uh, And it's... It makes a huge difference. Excuse me. In my mind, it makes a really big difference. Words matter. You know, words are... are supposed to convey meaning. And, And when we when we decide that words don't mean what they mean, but they mean something else, but we don't take the time to create a different word, we are begging for confusion, right? We're begging for confusion to to enter into uh, the conversation. now, yes, to some extent, this is inevitable, right? There is a certain amount of this um, perspective, culture, um, and all kinds of things that, of course, enter into this whole problem. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not a perfect science, obviously. Um, but we really should try to... Not redefine words without a really, really, really good reason. Um, another example, and I've talked about this before, is freedom. Right, that freedom in Christ. Christians are always trying to redefine what freedom in Christ means. Well, freedom in Christ is not completely free. It's it's a certain kind of freedom. Uh, that you know, it's a Jesus freedom. It's you know, you still have to be a slave to Christ and all this stuff. But you're not. You're, you're free. You're free to. You're free if you make the right choices, right? <laughs> um, but to me, this makes the word of freedom meaningless, right? It, it takes a word, uh, one of the one of the greatest words in the English vocabulary. Uh, And if you redefine it to be something else less than free, uh, to me, um, you're just destroying a beautiful word. Um, To be free is to be free. And if you're not free, you're not free. I mean, free is either an all or nothing word to me, right? Freedom. And let's be honest, American freedom was never complete freedom. Freedom in America is, you know, the the, the freedom to follow the laws of America, which may or may not be uh, better than some countries, worse than some countries. Right? But you never have complete freedom as far as, you know, living in a country, and I guess so what that, that means is to be free from consequences of your actions, um, <clears throat> and and you're never really free there, are you, right, so let's say you have freedom of speech, and you're free to say whatever you want, and you may say it, and sure, the law may not come after you, but that doesn't mean uh, that somebody else may not come after you in a different way that doesn't involve law, you may, you may lose relationship, all right, uh, you may lose reputation. Uh, you, you may be free. Um, but you are not free from consequences. But to me, freedom in Christ is, is a completely different issue. right? Freedom in Christ to me is a, is an ultimate salvation issue. And what that means to me is that you are free to do whatever you will on the earth, and no matter what you do, one, the consequences of your actions will not be that Jesus stops loving you. And why that's so important to me uh, is that is that knowing that someone loves you anyways, is the vehicle by which you can be transformed into something that is better than your current self. Right? And by better, I mean more good, more righteous, more kind, more loving. Uh, Someone who contributes to the the well-being of the world. Right? Uh, We are all terribly flawed if we have Jesus as our standard. But he has said, you are free to do and to be what you will, and I will love you anyway. Now, he doesn't say that we are free from the consequences of our actions in the world. But I think what freedom in Christ ultimately means is that there's nothing we can do to lose his love. That his love is a a gift of grace, and there's another word that we've redefined in a Christian way we say yes you're saved by grace but you have to do this and this and this to get that grace (laughs) I mean really (laughs) I just every (laughs) time it's like people don't understand what grace means you know and I didn't there was a time when I didn't either Uh, grace if it's if it's truly unmerited favor then there's nothing we can do to get it and again this this freedom of knowing that that you can do whatever you want and Christ will still save you in the end right Um, is meant to fill you with such gratitude and love that you want to be a better person and it will I'm telling you it will If you understand how deep, and wide, and high, and long, Christ's love is. Oh, we've seen it time and time again. Radical forgiveness, when people experience radical forgiveness, usually that's followed by radical transformation personal transformation and whether you you have the wherewithal to truly transform or not um, you make that effort right you, you see um, the contrast between the, the the grace that you've been shown and the person you are and it it makes you ashamed, probably, right off the bat. Um, now, you're not meant to stay ashamed, I, I just not, I'm not sure it's inevitable. I'm not sure it's avoidable, sorry. I'm not sure it's avoidable. Um, until you start to lean into and live into that grace, I'm not sure you can avoid a little shame in your life, but shame is not meant to be uh, a a permanent fixture, right? Uh, it, I think it, it's just a, a natural consequence of coming out of brokenness and into the light. <clears throat> I'm going to take a sip of coffee here. Uh, I am drinking um, some coffee that we bought at a local cafe and it is uh, dark roast. It's a blend of some kind, but we ran out of filters. So this is uh, French pressed this morning, which is an okay way to make coffee. I enjoy it every once in a while and actually I've been enjoying it this week. It's kind of a fun process to do French press. I don't know what makes it so satisfying, the process, but <clears throat> if you haven't tried it, you should give it a try. The, the word I really wanted to talk to, you know, talk about today uh, was not uh, any of those words, but the word worship. Um, and as many things uh, happen with me these days, uh, there was a post uh, on Facebook, and I what happened was I, I responded and I liked my response so much that I made it uh, a basically a meme for my own page and what it said was let me see um, true worship true worship is submission to the will of God Sorry. True worship is submission to the will of Jesus. Which is that we love one another. And then I put, worship is not telling Jesus how great he is. True worship is not telling Jesus how great he is. I'm not sure if that makes sense. Makes sense to me, that's why... Wrote it and reposted it, um, <clears throat> but this word "worship." <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, is one of the m- most misunderstood words uh, in the church today. Uh, horribly misunderstood, horribly misused, and I and I don't think it's just a. I don't think it's just a harmless mistake. I think that that the enemies of Christ do well to to remove these words of their meaning. Or to change the meanings. I think it it does a lot to damage to damage the church. And the church is is has always been a house of cards anyway. It's 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 not a it's never been, as far as I know, a super strong thing. And I don't—I don't mean the true church and true believers. I know true believers have a very strong faith and, and and a strong foundation. I suppose I mean, you know, what calls itself the church, what what passes for church in the world. I guess is a good way to say that. And so the, this word worship, right? it's come to mean so many things. It's come to mean uh, a place you go to. Worship. Right? I'm going to worship this Sunday morning. Okay, let's go to worship. Right? It, It became a place you go to. And then it became music. Right? It became praise and worship. Praise and worship. And... And I believe that the foundation of that usage is pagan. Right? It, it's it's the kind of the kind of worship that a an evil king would have loved. Right? Where we we just tell him how great he is. We we stroke his ego. Um, we we bring him gifts. Um, you know, the, this this kind of pagan. Pagan-based worship, um, where you see a lot of people bowing down and chanting, and and uh, you know, I don't know how else to say it. You know, a lot, a lot like I would say. Um, this is going to be a, a very obscure movie reference, but um, Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. I don't know if you remember. Uh, in that movie, there's this. Weird murderous cult um, who who are down in the dark basement um, chanting and worshiping uh, a god or a priest or something an idol of some kind, right? And they're kind of out of their mind and they're they're ecstatic, right? They're they're in ecstasy. They're they're transcending themselves in some subsets, sense um and it's just this weird really weird kind of pagan worship I don't know how else to say it um <clears throat> that uh to me is where it is the foundation of the type of worship the way that we've defined worship, right? But worship, if, if I haven't studied it recently, but I've studied it before, the the the, the word worship basically stems from the um, prostrating oneself in front of a king. Right? So when you go before a king and you bow low, this bowing is is one of the things that is worship and what this bowing meant right what this bowing means is that I am submitting to your authority I am at your service Uh, I recognize you uh, as someone who can tell me what to do right I by, by the bow, I am showing that, that I am yours on some level, right? But the bow was just a gesture, right? The bow was a gesture that was supposed to mean that this was true in your everyday life, that you are my that, that I am your ally that I what I do I do for you right that that I'm living in such a way um, that is for you right? because you are my king. Now I have to I have to admit as I'm saying this I need to study again what worship means because because if worship is just a symbol, of our fealty, a symbol of our obedience, then perhaps I'm wrong about the way I'm seeing this. Um, But I do know, I do know that if it's just the bow, but the life is not reflecting it, um, then it's not true worship, is it? Even if you're doing the symbol, if your life does not reflect it, so, if we, if we put Jesus as the king, and he is the king, but in this scenario, if, if Jesus is your king and you are bowing before the king, right, um, if you are bowing before the king, what that means is you are willfully becoming a tool for the king to use to... Do the work that the king deems important or necessary, or what the king believes in. You are joining the king's—I hate to say—fight. Um, so many of the metaphors are from violent uh, kings and things, but but yeah, you're you're joining in the king's mission. It's, it's sort of like the, I want to say it was uh, uh, Ezekiel, who said, here I am, send me, right? Th- that's the idea, right? Here I am, use me in whatever way you will, uh, I am yours to command, right? It's this submission to the authority of a king. So now we have to ask us, well, what is the mission of the king? If Jesus is our king, what is his mission? Is his mission to try to get more people to bow before him? Is the mission to get, uh, for us to help him get more and more people to come and bow? Or is the mission uh, to join Jesus' mission, which is... Feed the hungry, heal the sick, raise the dead. Uh, Embrace the foreigner, right? Take those who are far off and bring them near, right? Um, To release the oppressed, to set the captive free. Right this is this is the the mission of Christ. <clears throat> and it's always been the mission of Christ. <laughs> um and so if we are bowing before Jesus and let's let's say that that's what we're doing on Sunday mornings when we go to what we call worship if that is us bowing before christ then what that means is we have joined his team and we are going to then go out in the world and do these things we're going to set the captives free right we're going to heal the sick we're going to feed the poor Right? We're going to embrace the foreigner. We're going to live the golden rule. We're gonna feed the widows and the orphans. Right? These are the kinds of things that are evidence that the kingdom has come to earth, right? These are the kinds of things that people do when the kingdom comes to earth. So, so to worship Christ means to usher in the kingdom in whatever place, in whatever context we find ourselves in. That's what worshiping Christ is. Uh, Worshiping Christ is not necessarily, I have to be careful here, um, yeah, I'm glad I actually talked through this, I think I need to go back and, and talk to my friend about this a little bit, in fact, I would love to do a podcast with him, again, he hasn't been on here in a long time, so Joel, if you're listening to this, I would love to do a podcast about this, uh, with you. And I think we should do it. So I'm going to try to set it up. I don't know. I've been promising to do different podcasts and I haven't done it yet. But anyway, um, <clears throat> yeah, that's kind of a breakthrough for me right there. Um, and so if if you are continuing to bow before Christ without any intention to join his mission of ushering in the kingdom in your context then it's not true worship. Right? It's just lip service. What we call lip service, right? You're doing the gesture without, you know, going through following through with the with the actual actions. And that's my problem with calling what we're doing on Sunday morning worship. It's not that it can't be worship, but you know, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. And I actually want to try this out. I could do it on Facebook. I wonder if I could do it. Hmm, it's gonna be a nice poll, actually. <clears throat> I think what would be cool is to to try out my hypothesis that most people don't think of worship as as submission um, <clears throat> is that to ask them you know within to, to say the very first thing that comes to their mind when they hear the word worship. just you know make a list of these things get them down and uh, I think that would give me a good idea of whether or not i'm wrong or maybe I'm you know I've made a strong a straw, man, a straw man argument um just not impossible river is pretty high today mm. um yeah I think I may do that be interesting. Actually. Uh yeah, so I'm just about to my school. And so yeah, I just want to encourage you to to rediscover words, right? Get back into the the deep meaning, especially of what the the Bible writers meant when they used them. Right? Uh, and really try to, to figure out um, how those words and rediscovering their, their true meaning uh, can help to usher in the kingdom of God in your context a little better, which I would say is uh, a very um, worthy goal. So thank you guys uh, for listening as always, and, uh, we'll see you next time. I'll try to get these podcasts posted. I'm running a little bit late on some of them. Uh, but yeah, we'll try to get them up and, uh, posted. All right. Thanks. Bye.